0: Let's just commit this time into the hands of the Lord and pray that God will continue to minister unto us, that he will speak, and we will receive his word. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will talk to each and every one of us, Lord. You will teach, Lord. You will reprove. You will correct. You will train us, Lord. Father God, that's your promise for us this week, Lord. And we surrender ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take our seats, please. A priest died following a road accident and landed up in heaven. And in heaven, he was standing in queue because there were a few other people in front of him. And uh, St. Peter was manning the gates of heaven. Now, the guy standing right in front of the priest was a big, rugged-looking, burly guy with untidy hair, unshaven face, tattoos all over his body, looked tough. And uh, our priest was also feeling a little scared of this guy standing in front of him. But then it was the time for that burly man to talk to St. Peter. So St. Peter looked at him and said to this untidy man please tell me your name your profession your city you come from so that i may check the book of life and see whether your name is in it so this burly man says i am ranjit singh and i drive a green line bus in delhi now anybody who knows delhi knows that green line buses drive everywhere other than the roads so you are at great risk if you are anywhere near a Green Line bus. So this guy was the driver of the Green Line bus. So St. Peter checks his book, smiles broadly and tells uh, Ranjit Singh, please take this silk robe and this golden scarf and enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Ranjit Singh enters into heaven. Now it's the priest's turn. So St. Peter repeats the same Instructions and and our priest says, I am Father John Xavier, head priest of Don Bosco Church in New Delhi. So, St. Peter checks his book, sighs and says to St. Peter, well, please take this cotton robe and enter in. And so, St. John, uh, sorry, uh, Father John Xavier is astonished and he is uh, frustrated. He says, how come that guy, that burly guy... That uncouth fellow, the guy with the tattoos all over him, he gets a silk robe, while I get only a cotton robe. He gets a golden sash, while I don't get anything. I mean, I've served the Lord for 40 years. I think I deserve a crown. St. Peter said, well, you're right. But you see, we look at results. Results matter. Now, while you preached, people slept. But while he drove, people prayed. So I pray that today as I preach, you will not sleep. I'm going to give you a task, as I sometimes do. So if you will take your pen or your uh, smart device, whatever it is, take a piece of paper and please write down one single primary most important objective in your life? What is the most important goal in your life? Just one. What is that one single objective that you say you must meet? It's got to be achieved in your life. You may have many objectives. You may have many goals in life, but I'm saying that one single primary, most important objective. Please write it down. What is that one most important goal that you are, you are certain must be accomplished in your life? all right now i hope you've written it down i hope you've noted it down somewhere i'm not going to ask you what it is because you're going to go back to it a little later but now let's just turn to the gospel of luke chapter 12 and let's read verses 15 to 21 luke chapter 12 verses 15 to 21 and i shall read it from the new king james version and he said to them take heed And beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take up your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Let's also turn to the book of First Kings. Chapter 3 1 Kings Chapter 3 verses 5 to 14 1 Kings Chapter 3 5 to 14 At Gibeon The Lord appeared to Solomon In a dream by night And God said Ask What shall I give you? And Solomon said You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Okay, we have two passages, we'll come back to it shortly Let me ask you one more question, and you can raise your hands as you answer this question. How many of you want to be rich? All right? Good. We have some truthful people, we have a whole bunch of hypocrites. All right? Who doesn't want to be rich? Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you want to be successful? Ah, okay. Well, almost everyone. Now that's good. Now, you have another task which you need to write down. Okay? Note down somewhere. For you to say that you have become successful, what are the criteria that you should satisfy? For you to say that you have become successful, What do you think are the criteria that you have to satisfy? When you meet those criteria, you will sit back and say, I've met those criteria, I'm successful. Can you write down maybe one, maybe two, maybe three criteria? Again, I'm not going to ask you what they are. Okay? So in order for you to be successful, by your own definition, by your own desire, of whatever you call as successful, what is the criteria that you are setting for yourself? Maybe one criteria, maybe two. Probably won't have time for more than that. The title of today's message is simply this, Successful and Significant. Successful and Significant. Now, the world generally agrees that you are a successful person when you have accumulated wealth, achieved position and fame, and people bow down to you. That's the, world, that's the way the world looks at success. Okay, you've accumulated wealth, you've achieved some position or fame or name, and people bow down to you whether they like it or not. That is what the world defines as success. Now, there are many dictionary definitions. I picked up all the dictionaries I have at home, the small ones and the big ones. I went to the internet, I looked at various definitions, And I found that the one that I was most satisfied with, which I thought was quite uh, complete, was this particular definition. Success is defined as the attainment of one's goals, especially related to wealth, position, and honor. Okay, remember, my dictionary is something that's produced by somebody in the world. Okay, so this is a worldly definition. So according to that dictionary... The definition of success is the attainment of one's goals, especially related to wealth, to position, and to honor. According to this world and the way the world looks at success, success is all about who I am. If you look at yourself, it's who you are. It's all about me. It's all about I. Success is about my agenda being met. I have laid down some criteria. I need to reach that. That's success. It's all about me. The more fans I have, the more successful I am. The more fame I have, the more successful I am. The more fortune I have, the more successful I am. This is the way the world has trained us to look at success. But how does the Bible define success? Okay, we are looking at what the world says and then we are also looking at what does the Bible say? How does the Bible define success? Now when I went through various scriptures trying to identify if there was a proper definition for success, the closest I got to was what King David told his son just as he was going to hand over the throne to him. And if you will turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 2 verse 3. 1 kings chapter 2 verse 3 you will you will have this and i shall read it from the contemporary english version do this is king david talking to his son solomon do what the lord your god commands and follow his teachings obey everything written in the law of moses then you will be a success No matter what you do or where you go The same verse in the New Living Translation is written like this Observe the requirements of the Lord your God And follow all his ways Keep the decrees, the commands, the regulations And the laws written in the law of Moses So that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go See the difference? It's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with me. My success is dependent on God's agenda. Do I do God's agenda or not? It's not about my objectives being met. Look at your objective in life, the first one. What was your objective? Did it have God in it? Or is it all about yourself? You see, from very early in life, we are trained to think the way the world thinks. We are trained to think that I is most important. But in everything that the Bible tells us, the I is least important. It's all about God's agenda. God says, listen to me, read my word, follow my decrees, follow my commands. What are the laws that I have given to Moses? Read them, follow them, do them. And if you obey and do all these things, then you are successful. It doesn't talk about achieving wealth. It doesn't talk about making a name and fame for yourself. It doesn't talk about getting fans. It doesn't talk about a fortune. But in the eyes of God, success is something entirely different from what the world looks at success. Now, let me make one thing very clear. It is not wrong to be successful. Okay, all of us wanted to be successful and I also put up my hand. Doubtless. Okay, there's nothing wrong in wanting to be successful. What is important is to determine as to which criteria you use to define your success. Are you going to define success in worldly terms? Or are you going to define success the way God has defined success? Sometime around 1820, a young missionary English missionary couple took a four-month uh, ship ride, a big boat ride, from England to Korea because they wanted to be missionaries in Korea. They dedicated their life for that. So they landed up in some port in Korea. And then, as was the standard missionary practice at that point of time, they had to stay in that city, that port town, for one year, where they learned the language. And they also made uh, translations of the Gospels into the native language, so that they could use the language they have learned, and a little bit of writing that they have now learned, which they could then pass on to somebody else, as they started their missionary work. So for one year, they were training themselves in the language and in translating portions of scripture, portions of the gospel to be given to some people group in Korea. At the end of that one year, they got onto a boat, a small boat, and went through the jungles of Korea, very thick forests of Korea. And as they were going through that, three days into the journey, They were captured by a people group, tortured, and killed. Did they achieve what they started out to do? Were they successful? The whole world will save two wasted lives. Two young people, they could have done something better. Two wasted lives. 120 years later, 1940, Other missionaries, groups of missionaries went to Korea. And in their travels through the land of Korea, they came across one tiny village which was almost completely Christian. They were received with great hospitality. They were treated very well. And people were different. And these people said, how come? And they realized that they knew something about the scripture. And they said, how come? And then the people said, just go to our chieftain's hut. So they went to the chieftain's hut. And the inside of the hut was plastered with pages of the translation that our young missionary couple made 120 years earlier. Those translations were there on the walls. People read them. That touched them. They changed In the eyes of God, who brought about that change? It was that young missionary couple. It was not the missionaries who came now. That young missionary couple who lived only three days into their missionary journey. Yet, what they did for one year translating scripture, those pieces of paper converted a village. In God's eyes, that was a successful couple. Those two people had achieved what God intended for that village. You see, that is success. God looks at success in an entirely different way than the world. So, what we are going to do now for the next couple of minutes is just look at the criteria of success according to the Bible. How does the Bible expect, what are the criteria that the Bible sets out? That we need to follow in, turn, in order to be successful people. Now remember, I, I've already told you, write down your criteria for success. So see whether it matches. Number one, criteria number one. Success is knowing and doing what God says. Success is knowing and doing what God says. Turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Uh, verse We all know very well, we quote so often Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." You see, success is knowing and doing what God says. Because when you know what God has written, when you know what God says, and when you do what God says, He makes your way prosperous. The first question I asked you was, how many want to be rich? You see, it is God who makes us prosperous. It's not the world which makes us prosperous. So step number one to becoming prosperous is not to look at what the world tells us not to waste all your money buying all those to-do books how to make more money you know the guy who wrote that book how to make more money is very clever because every time you buy a book he makes money Okay, you don't even need to buy this book it's all here it's free The instructions are free. All you need to do is know the word of God. Follow the word of God. And God keeps rewarding you. He makes you prosperous. He makes you successful. Because that's what the word of God says. That's criteria number one. Criteria number two. Success is not determined by your circumstances. Success is not determined by your circumstances Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 39 Verses 2 to 4 Genesis 39 2 to 4 The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man And he was in the house of his master the Egyptian And his master saw that the Lord was with him And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, he put under his authority. Okay, now here is Joseph, away from his family, a young man, sold by slave traders, still a slave in the house of Potiphar, but had a fair degree of freedom. Does it come on? Yep. Okay, great. Okay. So here's Joseph. fair degree of freedom. He was successful. Potiphar decided to make him the head of the... to to be in charge of everything in his home. Gave him a great deal of freedom to do everything that needed to be done. And Joseph was successful. If you look at the word success in that sense. Okay. But then a few verses later, just go down to Genesis 39 verses 20 to 23. See, what happens between this is the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And then Joseph gets thrown into the prison for a crime he never committed. Verse 20 onwards. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into a prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. He's now in jail. Whatever little freedom he had has been taken away. It's not a happy circumstance. But that didn't change success in Joseph's life. He still was successful because God was with him. So your success does not depend on your circumstance. A few chapters later, the Joseph from the prison becomes the second most highest-ranking person in the land of Egypt. He's no longer a slave; he's a free man. Throughout, the Lord was with Joseph. Circumstances change, good to bad to worse. To terrible, maybe fantastic, that does not change success. In God's eyes, if you're obeying the word of God, if you listen to what God says, if you do what God asks you to do, circumstances does not matter at all. The world may look at your circumstance and say, he was a successful businessman, but look at him now. He is in poverty. He does not have a shirt to wear. That's the world's definition of success. That's not God's definition of success. Okay, so don't look at success the way the world looks at it. Number three, success is not determined by approval of man. Turn with me to First Kings chapter 18 verse 17. It's a long story, but I'll just read that particular verse. 1st Kings chapter 18 verse 17 Then it happened When Ahab saw Elijah That Ahab said to him Is that you, O troublemaker of Israel? Here is King Ahab Looking at Elijah and say, Is that you, O troublemaker? Elijah never got approval In the sight of Ahab He was always saying things Which Ahab didn't agree with There was no word of approval from Ahab And yet, God used Elijah in that situation. Ahab might have called him a troublemaker. But the next thing that happens is, there is a drought in that land. And then Elijah has a challenge with the prophets of Baal. And at the end of which, all the prophets of Baal are destroyed. The one person who still stands firm and the one person who stopped the rain and then calls the rain down is Elijah. A man of success. He did not look for the approval of the king. He did not look for approval of anybody else. Because he knew that what he was and what he was going to do and how he was going to do it purely depended on his relationship with God. Not with man. It doesn't matter if the guy next to you doesn't approve of you. It doesn't matter if your boss doesn't approve of you. If God wants you in that place, nobody's going to take you out of that place. And if God doesn't want you there, there's nothing you can do to keep yourself there. He will move you. Criteria number four success is determined by your faithfulness to God. If you read Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, it's the story of faith. Just take one person, Abraham. Now, Abraham was a very rich man. But Abraham is not remembered for his wealth. Abraham is re- remembered for his obedience and faithfulness to God. When God said, move, he moved. He didn't have to move. He was a very rich man. He was in the midst of his family. He had oxen and sheep and camels and men servants and maidservants and donkeys and everything. Why would he have to move from there? Look for what? But God said move. Abraham moved. The one thing he didn't have was a son. God gave him a son. And then God said sacrifice your son. Abraham never questioned. He said right. See that is obedience. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham was a successful man Because he was a faithful man Faithful to God And obedient to God We don't remember Abraham Because of his wealth Take Job Extremely wealthy person Some of us have even traveled To Salalah to look for Job's tomb Whether it actually is Job's tomb or not I don't know But we spent time and money and effort To go and look at something which Well we say is Job's tomb I went and saw that tomb and I came back and the next week somebody told me that Job's tomb was actually in Iraq. Okay, but then Iraq was in the midst of war, so I said, no, it's okay. He's dead and gone, I'm not going to see that tomb. Okay, they'll probably have another tomb for me then. Okay, you see, so so Job is another hugely rich person, but what do we remember him for? We don't remember him because he was a rich man. We remember him because in the midst of his trials and tribulations and all kinds of persecutions, all kinds of difficulties, he lost a lot of things. He lost his family. He didn't turn against God. He was faithful to God. Success is determined by your faithfulness to God. Number five. Success by worldly standards should never be our motivation. How does the world define success? How does the world put a hierarchy? That should never be our standard. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 35. Mark chapter 9, 33 to 35. Then he came to Capernaum, that's Jesus. And when he was in the house, he asked them, that's his disciples, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed Among themselves who would be the greatest And he sat down Called the twelve and said to them If anyone desires to be first He shall be last of all And servant of all You see The disciples were just thinking in a worldly sense no, I want to be number one Who's going to be number one Jesus has been talking about He's going away He's going to be crucified He's going away So who's going to be number one? I'm going to be number one. So the next guy says, no, I'm going to be number one. You be number two, I'm going to be number one. And Jesus calls them out and tells them, listen, you want to be number one, you'll be right at the bottom. The world may think that number one is the best. In God's kingdom, right at the bottom. Uh, Twenty years back, I had an experience of working in in a a, a particular country so I landed up there I'm at the airport I have no clue as to how things work around there I was a little scared I don't know the language so you know you get off the aircraft you're coming into the immigration and the guys are giving all their instructions in in a language which I didn't understand and then they make you stand in lines and so there I am amongst a lot of other passengers standing in queue and then I saw something very funny. As you go forward, the security guys keep watching you. And they have a big stick. Huh? Remember, your first welcome into that land is with a stick. Okay? Now there I go. And the guy comes and, you know, puts people into line with a stick. Like that. If you open your mouth and say something, he pulls you out from there and brings you to the back of the tube. And I was thinking, what kind of a thing is this? I mean, here I am a professional. I've come to take up a job in a hospital. You know, you think of yourself as big, isn't it? Okay, so there I was thinking of myself as big. And then I just go forward. and I didn't know which counter to go to. So I just asked the guy, the which, And he pulls me from there and takes me to the back. You see, this is the way sometimes you get treated. See, we always look to be number one. You always want to be up there. Because that's the way the world has ingrained these thoughts into us. You want to be number one. But in God's kingdom, you think of yourself as number one, you're right at the bottom. Your promotion to headship is through servanthood. It's not through sitting at the top. Okay, that's what Jesus Christ is teaching us. Now, make no mistake about this. God wants us all To be successful, but as per his standards. He wants every one of us to be successful. But he wants us to be clear that the standards that he's looking at are not the standards set by anybody here. ISI, BIS, ABC, doesn't matter. The standards are his standards. But there is something beyond success. That God wants for us. And that is, while He wants all of us to be successful people, as per His standards, He also wants us to be men and women of significance. He doesn't want us to be just successful people. Successful people is listening to Him, doing what He wants us to do. Everything, all that is fine. Being faithful to Him, being obedient to Him. All that is there. But God says, absolutely fine. I want you to be successful. I love that. And you will be successful. You will be prosperous because of that. But I also want you to be significant. Now, what's this thing about success and significance? Now, success describes a relationship between me and God. It describes a relationship between you and God. Because success is defined in terms of what God wants us to do. It's his agenda that he's doing through us. He tells us, read my word, listen to what I say, do it. He's telling me that. He's telling you that. Okay, so it's a relationship. Success is dependent on a relationship that exists between me and God, you and God. Now, significance. describes a relationship between me and you. Between you and your neighbor. Between each of us. The cross connections that we have here. That is significance. Okay, so now let's try to explain that a little bit. We have seen success. We know that success, God has given us certain criteria for success. We also know now that Success is dependent on a relationship that you have between yourself and God, but God says, I want you also to be significant. And significance is about you and me. So let's try to look at it. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. And let's read verses 36 to 39. Matthew 22, 36 to 39. This is a question that's put across to Jesus. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus said. Okay, we'll come back to it. Let's turn now to the book of First Corinthians chapter 12. The first 11 verses. First Corinthians chapter 12. The first 11 verses, and let me read it from the New King James Version. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let me repeat that. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay, and then comes the gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now, Jesus Christ and Paul are telling us very similar things at this particular point, but in different ways. You and I have gifts and talents. The gifts that I have May be slightly different from what you have And you will be having gifts And talents that I don't have So each one of us Has got varying degrees of gifts And talents All put into us by the Holy Spirit By God Now what's the purpose of those gifts and talents? It's not for myself My gifts and my talents are not for me My gifts are to be used for the body of Christ. It's for the edification of the church. It's for the encouragement of the church. And so is it for every one of us. What you have, God has put something into you and He says, use it for somebody else. Maybe you have the gift of healing. Is it for yourself? Is it for you to say, no, when I get cancer... I will touch myself and say be healed And I I shall be healed No, God says I have put into you the gift of healing Use it for somebody else I have put into you The gift of interpretation of tongues So when somebody speaks in tongues Use it to interpret I have put into you the gift of teaching Teach someone You see, God has put different gifts into all of us and different talents. Now, those are not meant to be selfishly used for ourselves, but to be used for each other. God says, use it. Spread it out. Okay? Just as much as you love yourself and you want things for yourself, spread it out to your brothers. Because Jesus Christ said, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, this is what Jesus Christ said. He said, Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, what you want for yourself, love your neighbor. Pass it on. What success do you want for yourself? Give it to your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Because love is all about giving. Love is not about receiving For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son You see, love is all about giving And God said, love your neighbor So when He says, love your neighbor It means, I don't go to my neighbor's house And say, can I have some chicken curry for lunch He says, this is what I have here Have it How can I help you? What can I do for you? Where are you lacking? Let me give you that You see, the point is, are you impacting the life of somebody else? Are you significant in the life of someone else? Does your life have meaning in the life of someone else? How much am I impacting you? How much are you impacting me? How much is each one of us impacting one another? Because if we aren't impacting each other, something is wrong somewhere. You've got to be a person who impacts somebody else. That's significance. So God wants you to be successful, because that's relationship with Him. God wants you to be significant, that's impacting the life of somebody else. That's a relationship between you and me. Now, if you wish to define significance in a slightly different word, you could probably do it this way. It's a measure of value that you add to somebody else. How much value do I give you? How much value do you give me? Do I mean something to you? When I talk to you, when you talk to me, do I just brush you aside or do I give value? To what you say. Okay, that's being impacting one another. That's having a relationship with one another. You see, in the eyes of the world, Jesus on earth was a failure. He never accumulated riches. He died without any clothes. He hung on the cross as a criminal condemned to die. He was definitely not a success. But in the eyes of God, Jesus is the perfect example of complete success. He knew and did what God wanted him to do. His life was not determined by circumstances. He did not look for the approval of man. He remained faithful to the Father till the very end. He did not measure his life by worldly standards. He is not only a successful man, but he is a man of significance. When he died, he possibly had about two dozen followers. In about a month's time, he had 3,000 followers. Today, 2,000 years after his death and resurrection, he has over 2.5 billion followers worldwide. If that is not significant, if he has not impacted the lives of so many people, why do we have so many followers of Jesus? That is significant. He was successful, he was significant. There is no one who has impacted the lives of people as much as Jesus has done. So if there is somebody you want to follow, follow Jesus and then impact the life of somebody else. Can we go somewhere following the life of Jesus? In 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 31 to 33, Paul says, and I shall be closing shortly. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense, either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. You see, Paul is telling us this in many ways. I am not seeking my own profit. I am not looking for anything for myself, but it is for others. So, can we turn this around a little bit? William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, once said, The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. In other words, the more you are prepared to surrender yourself into the hands of, the, of God, The greater his purpose will be fulfilled through your life. As we close, please ponder on these thoughts. The rich fool that we read about in the Gospel of Luke was a successful man according to world standards, but he was a failure in the eyes of God. King Solomon, the rich wise man, was a success in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of God. But God wants you and me to go one step beyond that. How are you impacting the life of your neighbor? Is your life a life of success and significance? Don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about what your neighbor has to say. John Bunyan said this. John Bunyan is the author of Pilgrim's Progress and this is what he said. If my life is fruitless, It doesn't matter who praises me. If my life is fruitful, it doesn't matter who criticizes me. You only need to look for one approval, and that is the approval of God. Shall we pray? Shall we just for a moment ponder over whether we want to be a rich fool? A rich wise man. Whether we want success and significance as God decrees it. Do we know and do what God wants us to do? Don't let circumstances run your life. And do not look for the approval of man. Remain faithful to God till the very end. Measure your life by God's standards, not earthly standards. And remember, at all times, make an impact on your neighbor.
1: In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You shall be successful in Jesus' name. Say, you shall be successful in Jesus' name. It is time to go to the Lord's table. The table today is a table of extraordinary change. Our God has everything in Him. So, each time you come to the table of the Lord, don't approach it with the mindset, I'm just you doing as usual. No. You are going to get something unique. So, as you approach the table today, I want to believe God for an extraordinary change. Believe God for a new thing, a new beginning in your life. And let me show you a type of what you are about to do in the Old Testament. In theology we call it type something that happened in the Old Testament, and you have it representing what will happen in the New Testament. Daniel one, chapter twelve, verse twelve. Daniel one verse twelve. The Bible says in verse eight that Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not partake of what is not godly. That we only take a unique meal. And look at what happened to Daniel. Daniel said, prove thy servant, I beseech thee, ten days. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. They wanted to give them the the things of the world. But Daniel said, no, we only need unique food. Daniel and friends, they took a unique and special meal. Like you are about to do. And look at what happened to them. In verse 15. And at the end of ten days, their continents appear fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king. Before you leave here today, as you take the meal of the Lord today, your story shall change in the name of Jesus. And finally, verse 20. And in all the matters of wisdom and understanding that the king acquired of them after they took the meal he found them what? 10 times better than all the magicians the astrologers that were in the land they were 10 times better I prophesy concerning somebody here today that this shall be your experience in every area of your life from now on in the name of Jesus 1 Corinthians 11, to 32 For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he has given thanks, he break it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth, drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the word. Please, as wonderful as the table is, it's a table you should approach with the fear of God. Because when extraordinary change comes, it can either be positive or negative. After Judas Iscariot took the meal, what happened to him? He went to destruction. So please examine yourself. How is your life with God? Are you living a life that pleases him or not? The table today is meant for those that are born again and are living a life that pleases God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this hour. Thank you because of this opportunity To partake of your flesh and your blood We believe this table is the table Of extraordinary change I bless this table And I decree this turn to the blood of Jesus And it turn to the flesh of Jesus As we partake of it today We shall experience extraordinary change in every area of our life, in the name of Jesus. I bless this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Please, let's follow the usher's instruction as we come to the front quickly, and we partake of the table. Would you be free
2: from your birthday of sin? There is power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you reward the victory with there is wonderful power in the blood? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the light. All. i working far in the blood of the land there is fire there is fire fire wonder working in the precious blood of the land would you do so with for Jesus your peace there is power in the blood Power in the blood would you of love of the land is there is far, power, wonder worth power in the precious love of the land. Would you be free from your burning of Power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil await the end? There is power that Power in the blood.
0: There is power. There is power. Shall will be alright. It's up to our feet
2: of love of the land there is power there is power, power. there is power wonder worth in
3: the presence of the land Amen Praise the Lord Hallelujah. i like us to just pray one prayer after that word What a powerful word this afternoon Jesus Was Successful and significant And we have just Eaten his flesh and his blood That is power To be successful And significant In our lives Lord by this communion My life shall be successful And significant Are you praying that prayer for yourself Lord, by the communion of today, my life shall be successful according to godly standards and significant, and significant, and significant in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. One more time, let's make a decree. Lord, this communion I've taken shall take me through the month. There shall be no sickness, no disease, no discomfort, no weakness, no mishap, no evil report in my family, no misadventure, no evil shall come near me and my family. Are you praying that prayer? By this communion, evil is averted in every area of my life. And I'm going through this month, a winner. I'm not a loser. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the release of power to be successful and significant. Thank you for this communion of extraordinary change. Change to be successful and significant according to divine order. Lord, we walk in the newness of this revelation throughout this month, and throughout our lives, in the name of Jesus. Beginning from today, it shall begin to show in our lives. It shall begin to reflect in all that we do, in the name of Jesus. We go into this new week to enjoy the blessedness of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We go in your name and in your power. Lord, your son that you have used to bless us today, we ask For a replenishment of your grace. All that has gone out of him. Restore a thousandfold. In the name of Jesus. Many days ahead. He shall yet be a bigger blessing to us. In the name of Jesus. So shall it be. Thank you Father. In Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Now with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the fellowship of the Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Abundant and grace. That's your portion throughout this month. In the name of Jesus. Go in peace.